Well, good morning, New Hope. Glad that you're with us this morning in person and online. I want to start out and I want to ask you this question as we start the new year. Have you ever been desperate for something in your life? Have you ever been desperate for something in your life? Desperate for an answer to the question, why? Desperate for a certain relationship. Desperate for discerning a situation. Should I go right? Should I go left? Should I just stay straight? Desperate for an e- a needed item. Desperate for healing whether relationally or physically, emotionally, or even spiritually. Desperate for discipline and self-control in your life. Desperate to start something. Desperate to stop something. Desperate for peace. Not just a day or a weekend, but like consistent, steady peace in your life. Desperate for personal growth in a certain area. Desperate to know God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit more in your life. Have you ever been desperate in your life? Now listen, I know you're Vikings fans, so I know you've been desperate (laughs) at some point, right? (laughs) You know desperation, right? Well, when it comes to the whole area of fasting and prayer, it's an area of desperation. This next Sunday, we start a series called Finding Our True Selves. And with this series, we are going to couple it with a fast, okay? Typically, when people fast, people are desperate. Typically, when people fast and pray, they're desperate because it's not common. It's not something that we think of doing or that we actually do. Now, fasting is essentially giving up food or something else for a period of time in order to focus on our relationship with God and to hear from him. We need God to show up in our lives in a particular area. Because we're desperate, right? In James Packard's book, Your Father Loves You, he states, In scripture, we see several purposes for fasting. It's part of the discipline of self-control. It's a way of sharing that we depend on God alone and draw all of our strength and resources from him. It's a way of focusing totally on him when seeking his guidance and his help. 
and of showing that you really are in earnest or desperate in your quest. It's also at times an expression of sorrow and deep repentance, something that a person or community will do in order to acknowledge failure before God and seek his mercy. John Calvin, who was a French theologian way back in the 1500s, talks about fasting and desperation. In general, we must hold that whenever any religious controversy arises, which either a council or ecclesiastical tribunal behooves to decide, whenever a minister is to be chosen, whenever, in short, any matter of difficulty and great importance is under consideration. On the other hand, when manifestations of the divine anger appear, meaning God isn't happy with us, right? As pestilence, war, or famine, the sacred and the salutary custom of all ages has been for pastors to exhort the people to public fasting and extraordinary prayer. Basically, what he's saying in all these words and these examples is when life hits the fan, (laughs) we seek prayer and fasting. When we need God to show up in supernatural ways, when we can't handle it, we turn to this area of fasting and prayer. You know, in the Bible, we see a variety of examples of fasting and prayer during times of desperation. We go back to the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, the old part of the Bible, in Daniel chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. Daniel has this vision of this incredible war. It's very detailed. And he wakes up and he's disturbed about this vision. And he knows that it's real because God has used him in the area of vision in his life before. And so it says in verse 2, it says, At that time I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. He was desperate to know what the vision meant. He wanted God's wisdom and understanding on the vision. And we see later on that God tells him specifically what is going to happen and the wars that will take place. We see as well in Daniel's life, in the book of Daniel, and we're all familiar with Daniel. Why? Because Daniel and the lion's den, right? And we see that Because of Daniel's favor with God, God gives him favor among the leadership in the kingdom that he's serving. You see, Daniel is exiled to Babylon. He is a slave under King Darius. And King Darius likes Daniel because he's an incredible leader. God has given him favor and wisdom. But Daniel's associates don't like him, the other men of the land. They don't like he's a Jew. They don't like that he's a foreigner, he's a slave, and he's put in this incredible leadership position. And so they want to get rid of him. 
And so they set Daniel up. They know that he will not worship any other thing but his true God. And so they go to King Darius and they say, King, set up a statue in honor of yourself. And when the trumpet sounds, everyone must bow and worship that statue. Anybody who does not will be put to death. And they are setting Daniel up. And so King Darius, not thinking, signs this decree. He puts his stamp on it with his signet ring. And it goes out. And sure enough, the horn goes, people are to worship, but Daniel's peers, other leaders that he leads with, finds him worshiping his God in the upper room. And so they go to King Darius, and they say, King, look at this. Daniel would not bow down to your statue, and so he must be killed. And at that point, King Darius recognized what they had done. But he made the decree. And so Daniel must go in the lion's den. But we see that King Darius, out of desperation, in hopes that Daniel's God would save him, fasts on behalf of Daniel's safety. We see that in chapter 6 of Daniel, that Darius goes without food. It says he went without music and pleasure that night, and he went without sleep, hoping that Daniel's life would be saved. And so we see that in times of desperation, there's this move for prayer and fasting. We see it in the life of Esther as well in the Old Testament. Esther is a queen. She is married to King Xerxes. She's a Jew. She finds out through her uncle that there is a plot by a man named Haman to genocide basically the Jewish Jewish nation, to put them all to death. And so the Jewish people tell Esther, you need to go before the king and warn him and tell him of this plot. But Queen Esther says, I can't. I can't go before the king unless he invites me because there's the decree, a law, that if you go before the king without invitation, you are put to death, even as the queen. And they push her on this And so this is how she responds because of the desperation and because she needs favor with the king. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. But we see that as they go before God in fasting and prayer in this desperation time, that God gives favor to Esther before the king. And the Jewish nation is saved. 
We see another story in the Old Testament about Nehemiah. Again, Nehemiah is exiled. He's a slave. You know, the, the reason that the Jewish people were exiled to the Babylonians and to the Persians and to all these other nations is because they didn't follow God, because they ended up worshiping, worshiping false idols. They ended up living outside of the boundaries God had for them. They ended up chasing other gods because they thought they were so much better. And so then God allowed the circumstances of what their decisions were. And they ended up constantly being enslaved to other nations. And so here we have Nehemiah, a Jew who was exiled, and he's serving as cupbearer to King Artaxerxes. But yet he finds out news of his homeland, Jerusalem, that the walls have been torn down, destroyed. And because of that, the people that remain, the remnant that remain there, have no protection from their enemies at all. Their enemies are coming and going, leading over them, giving them high tax. They have no protection from their enemies. And this burdens Nehemiah. And Nehemiah in his heart and mind wants to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem for his people. And so we see in Nehemiah 1.4, when he gets this news, it says, Then I heard these things. I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And in reading, we find out he prayed for a month and he fasted for a month because he wanted to go to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. But yet he was a, a slave. He was cupbearer to the king. And he was going to have to get favor from the king. He was going to have to ask the king for the resources to rebuild the wall. All these things. Huge, right? But yet through prayer and fasting, the king says yes and releases him. And Nehemiah rebuilds the wall. And so throughout scripture, we see these times of desperation for wisdom and understanding for a vision, for safety of one's life, Darius fasting for Daniel's life. We see seeking favor from a person, a human being, when it comes to Esther. And we see in Nehemiah, praying and fasting over this incredible project that he wanted to do. In the New Testament, we see in Mark chapter 9 that the disciples tried to heal a young boy who was possessed by a demon. And they couldn't do it. Jesus comes to the situation and casts out the demon. And the disciples afterwards were like, Jesus, why was it that you could do this and we couldn't? And he responds. He said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. You know, there's times, there's health situations in our life that only through prayer and potentially fasting will there be healing. Times of desperation, right? 
We see in the early church often when the elders gathered together, they needed to make a big decision. They fasted and they prayed. This last Wednesday, my wife and a couple of our girls went up to Duluth and hung out on Canal Park and then went skiing and snowboarding up at Spirit Mountain and that. And as we drove in to Canal Park by the big ship there, we were driving by the Red Lobster. And my wife, Sherry, turned and she said, remember when, right? We, we, we were reminiscing, remember when New Hope started. You see, New Hope started, this all started through prayer and fasting. You know, I was asked and invited to start this ministry. And we weren't sure if this is what God desired for us. And so we spent a week of prayer and fasting. For a week, ate nothing. It was the first time I had ever fasted to that extent, eating nothing. But at the end, we went away to Duluth for the weekend to discern and to pray and to say, God, what is the answer? What should we do? And we went to Red Lobster to finish the fast. And I can picture the booth we sat in. And there, with my wife, talked about and said, what is God telling you? What is God telling me? And we agreed. Let's pursue this ministry called New Hope. When we have a decision to make, and it's huge, and we're desperate to hear from God, Prayer and fasting is involved. And finally, we see it in Jesus' life, this idea of prayer and fasting. When he started his ministry at age 30, it says in Matthew 4, 1 through 4, in preparation for this ministry, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and nights, he was hungry, right? He'd be hungry, right? The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, he was hungry. We get hungry, right? But he could resist the temptation of the devil because he was spiritually full. Sure, he was physically hungry, but he was spiritually full and strong and strengthened by the Spirit. And so he could withstand the temptation. And this he would have to withstand throughout his whole ministry, right? And probably the number one temptation he had throughout the whole ministry of going to the cross was just, hey, I'm going to bail. <laughs> I'm going to bail. Man, I've really gotten to know these people. Do I really want to die for them? Seriously? <laughs> right? And he probably had been tempted, like, man, I'm going to bail. And we know that, too, because we understand that in the Garden of Gethsemane, right, he asks his father three times, is there an option to be here? And so... The fact that he fasted and prayed for these 40 days in preparation allowed him to withstand and to go the distance. 
You know, I find it interesting that when Jesus starts his ministry, that the devil comes and tries to fracture his relationship with his heavenly father, tries to take him off purpose of going towards the cross with what? Food. With food. And it's interesting that if we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, when the devil wanted to destroy Adam and Eve's relationship with their heavenly father and take them off purpose, what did he use? Food, right? And so that should tell us and give us a little insight on how food can control us or impact us and why God instituted then fasting from food and certain drink in order that we may overcome areas of our life, in order that we may develop self-discipline, in order that we may reject temptation in our life. Because here's reality. There's many things that own us that we don't realize. And food and drink is one of them. I mean, when I mention fasting, in some people's heads, they're like, no way, I could never do that. Or when I mention, hey, give up coffee for three weeks. Are you kidding me? Cut off my leg. Right? Instead, right? I mean, does it own us or not then, right? Author Albert Haas found, fasting can be a painful admission that I am not free, that my life is enslaved, obsessed, or addicted to external things, such as food, drink, codependent relationships, sex, television, privacy, and the like. And so my question again is, you know, what are you desperate for in 2023, whether to start or to stop, whether to add to your life or to cut out of it. And so I want you to be in prayer over this next week and be thinking about, one, will you even do the fast? And two, to what level will you Do it. You know, we see in the Bible in Matthew chapter 6 and chapter 9 that Jesus talks about fasting and he assumes that we will do it, that we will practice it throughout our year. Why? Because there are times of desperation, whether it's because we need an answer to something because we need a healing, or I am desperate, God, to know you more, to see your face, to see you show up in my life. Are you real? Do you care about me? Give me a sign. And you go in a time of prayer and fasting. And so the Bible talks about fasting. And it doesn't say that we need to fast in a particular way. But here at New Hope, 
over the last eight years now, we have started our new year with what's called the Daniel Fast. And the reason we use the Daniel Fast is because it's somewhat clear and it's attainable. It's not something way out there. We still eat, we still drink, but we limit ourselves, right? And the Daniel fast is based on the verses found in the Bible in Daniel 10. When Daniel is seeking God for wisdom and understanding of his vision, this is what, he, what it said. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips. And I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. I mean, the lotion thing, that'll be easy for me. You know, I don't use it anyway. So I mean, I'm already fasting from that, you know. So just <laughs> but this whole idea of giving up, right, in order to what? Get. I'm giving up in desperation in order to get understanding from God, in order to get safety, in order to get a win on a project that it will be successful, in order to get what? A healing you know, this desperation, right? And so I want you to think about what are you going to do over this next series, these three weeks, when we as a community together will be fasting. And on your way out by our Welcome Center, we have a booklet called the 21-Day Fast that will give you better understanding about what this is all about. This is also online as well if we run out of those copies, okay? And we'll have them next week as well for you. But I want you to think of some things. And the first one is, why am I doing it? Am I doing it because, ah, Pastor Bill talked about it Sunday. (laughs) Now I got to do it. No, you don't have to do it, right? There's no pressure from me or from others. It has to be a want to. But my question again, is there something you're desperate for in 2023? Okay? you got to look at medically, can you do it? It's, it's good to talk to your doctor about fasting. Okay? How long will you fast? Will it be a week, a few days? Will it be the 21 days that we are fasting for, which will start next Sunday? What will you fast from? you know, specific food or drinks. Typically, the Daniel fast, okay, eliminates all meats, pastries, so that's like Herman Bakery stuff, (laughs) chips, 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 breads, fried food, and anything with artificial additives. And typically, it also uh, removes coffee and drinks, and it's a time of water. And it's a time of this incredible physical cleansing of your body from all toxins. You'll be amazed in how you feel after 21 days. I guarantee it. The first week is the tough part, but you will be renewed by God's strength and his encouragement and how your body is supposed to function. You know, sometimes people not only just fast from foods, but they also fast from maybe shows or social media. They fast from music. They take other areas of their life out that maybe own them or are influencing them. Because here's reality. Whatever we put ourselves before, we become. 
Whatever we put ourselves before, we become. So the sitcom that you're putting yourself before is teaching you and is educating you, whether you believe it or not. Whatever you're reading is educating you, is forming the thoughts in your mind. And so are there some things that you need to take a break from or maybe need to cut out of your life? Maybe it's certain recreational activities or whatever that you say, hey, for these moments, these 21 days, I'm going to fast. I'm going to give them up. And so when we remove something, then obviously we're replacing it with something. We're replacing it with time for listening to God, reading, praying, journaling, reading devotionals, talking to God, saying, God, as I, as I give up, I want you to fill me up with you in areas of wisdom, answered prayer. I want you to show up in my life in unique ways. I want you to even just help me realize that I can overcome and that I can have discipline and that I can keep from temptation. You know, they say fasting is like being with a close friend. When you're in need of your friend and you need to talk with to them, you will give up anything, right? In order to meet with them over coffee because you're desperate. You got to talk to them about what's going on, about what life has thrown you, no matter what time of the day it is, right? You'll give up sleep to meet with your friend. You'll give up tickets to the ball game to meet with your friend. You'll give up going to work. Oh, that's an easy one, to meet with your friend, right? Whatever it might be, because you're desperate, you need to meet with them because of what's hit the fan in life, right? So what are you fasting for? Number one, desperation to know God more and to have him show up in your life. But what is it you're praying for? What needs to die in your life or what needs to come alive in your life, right? What owns you that you need to disown so that you can be fully owned by God? My challenge to each one of us and myself as well is not to water down the fast, not to say, well, I can do this, right? Because then we are not relying on God's strength, his supernatural power, in order for us to overcome. But put together fast, agree with yourself, share it with another that this is what I'm going to do. And God, by your strength and your power, you are going to help me walk through this time of fasting because I am desperate to hear from you in this area of my life. I love the picture we get in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, when Daniel starts this fast. This is what it says. Do not be afraid, Daniel, God is telling him. From the first day that you set your mind to gain wisdom and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come to respond in response to them. And so this whole idea of like the first day Daniel humbled himself before God, gave up 
food, drink, fasted because he was desperate. God was moved to action towards his response, towards Daniel's desperation. I love the quote, when men and women work, men and women work. When men and women pray, God works. We see in that verse, when you wanted to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, right? When we come to the end of ourself, we come to the beginning of God. And so my question to you again this morning is this. What are you desperate for? Throw it on the table. And instead of choice food and choice drink over these next 21 days starting next Sunday, instead of picking that up, let's pick up God and invite him to transform our life situation. Let's pray. Lord God, I don't know of anybody who's not desperate for something. And Lord, if we're not desperate, then maybe we've become dead. We've become numb or we've given up. But I pray that you would percolate desperation in our hearts. Whether it's to change who we are, whether it's to overcome an area of our life that we can't, we've tried. Whether it's just to hear your voice, to see you in our lives in incredible ways. Whether it's just to help us love our neighbor as ourself, because I'm having a hard time doing it. Whatever it might be, I pray that you would show up over these days as we're finding our true selves. And so thank you for the opportunity for prayer and for fasting. Change us, O oh Lord, in your name.